0: Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mish Reya. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues.
1: This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Reya. It's business, but it's personal listening
0: color good morning and welcome to jazz shapers with me elliot moss jazz shapers is the place where the shapers of business come together with the shapers of jazz soul and blues and my guest today i'm very pleased to say is founder and ceo at innovative women's wear brand die it is joanna die herself eight years into her investment banking career on a return flight during a typical 16-hour workday joanna had an aha moment As she says, my waistband was digging in, nothing stretched, I was uncomfortable, I wished I were in my yoga kit. I thought to myself, could these clothes feel like yoga and still look like a power suit? Joanna took a leap of faith. She left her job, took design courses at London College of Fashion and an internship in the industry and launched dye, and her first eight-piece collection back in July 2017. Her tailored, easy-to-wear pieces made from, as she says, innovative four-way stretch fabrics have since diversified beyond office wear. And as a company committed to sustainability and positive social impact, Dye is aiming to become fully carbon neutral and use 50% recycled fibres by the end of 2021. I have here Joanna Dai. She is the founder of Dai. I mean, you just call it Dai, don't you? Yeah. It's very simple. Do or die. Do or die. And Dai in Mandarin means to wear.
2: It does. Yes. It's who knew someone in my family a long time ago maybe made some clothes to wear, but it is a surname and I just picked something simple for the brand that's memorable in one syllable.
0: One syllable and it looks good. A D, an A, and an I. Yeah. And there you are, you're wearing your blue dye trousers. <laughs> yes. Um, D A I, not D Y E. And the top do or die. There you go. The whole thing. <laughs> it's great to have you here. The world of being employed and then the world of working for yourself. I recounted the story of, hold on a minute, I could do this and I could do that. But in your family and in your kind of life before taking the plunge, were there people around you that did this? Is that where this this came from? Is it in your DNA?
2: I've actually thought about that one a lot. And so my dad is an entrepreneur. He's done that for the past over 20 years. It's a small mechanical engineering firm based out of California. And I think I must have absorbed a lot of that self-consciously as I was growing up. But on my own personal journey and on reflection, before engineering school and the eight years of investment banking, I did a lot of student government growing up in the United States. So I was class president at Cornell. And in
0: bef- two thousand and
2: eight, <laughs> <laughs> way to date me. <laughs> yeah, geriatric yeah. millennial. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a great phrase as well. Um, so sorry, you were, you, were, yeah. you you were involved in politics. So
2: ever since sixth grade, I was running for you know publicity officer or. secretary on the student body government in my high school and really enjoyed planning events the homecoming the prom like i'm really sounding american right now are you
0: american i hadn't noticed
2: (laughs) (laughs) um but also like designing the class t-shirts and really rallying the people and being creative around the ideas that we had and i in choosing my first career path didn't think that that was like a real path i could pursue and being Chinese-American, you know, there was this, it's got to be engineering or, you know, medicine or law, one of those. And so I picked engineering because I liked maths and went on a different journey to start my professional career.
0: I mean, there's pressure, isn't there, from, from what I imagine, the Chinese-American community, which is like... Excuse me, you're immigrant. You're gonna get a proper career, proper degree, do a proper thing, we've got stability in that bedrock. But actually, Jana, that's I mean, you're a creative person with an engineering degree. You're kind of gold dust. <laughs> but no, but, but I really I really believe that. Do you think though, if you'd have been third generation or fourth generation, like your kids or grandchildren, whatever it might be, that you would have a different attitude to them? Do you think you'd say, ah, if you don't want to study, don't go study? Is is that right?
2: I believe in finding the most fulfillment through living your purpose. Um, but I think it takes a lifetime to discover what that is. And some people might you know, not figure it out when they're still 50 or 60. But I think for me, if I were to speak to my younger generations in the future, they should do what makes them feel passionate and that will make them most fulfilled.
0: What I personally like about the die clothes is there's just no fuss I'm a fan of simplicity. I don't, I like to, you know, I'm I'm only a simple fellow. I need to keep it simple. (laughs) Tell me about the clothes in your own words. You're wearing, you're sporting most of them and they look fab, but the inspiration for you every day as you design the next batch Mm -hmm. is what?
2: The world has changed post the last almost two years. And we're looking at our customers and, and speaking to them and really trying to empathize with what is going to be the next generation that is going to deliver comfort, but in the post-pandemic new normal. And I think that is a lot more versatile. There is a lot more casualization going on in the office and a lot more flexibility between working in the office, working from home. And I always saw clothes as being really adaptable, allowing women to go from Monday through Sunday, work after work, weekends, errands, children, all of that. And I think we've always sourced the fabrics that are performance- and durable enough to do all of that. And then it's making sure that we have the designs and the styling and the advice around our clothes that really enable women to wear it every day and everywhere.
0: Do you think that the way you view clothes and and women has changed even in the course of the time you've been in, in the business and set the business up? Because it strikes me that you talked about the difference between work and home, but obviously the thing has fused. There is no distinction. How do you create clothes which are really about they're about function uh, as in what am I doing when I'm wearing the Mm -hmm. clothes but they're also about your state of mind
2: absolutely and
0: that's a different thing now I think when people dress for work people talk about I put my suit on because I'm going to feel suited and booted whether you're a man or Mm -hmm. woman I'm going to feel ready for action ready for action means something quite different now doesn't it how have you managed to pivot in your own mind in terms of actually how the
2: clothes appear so originally it was about and it still is today around performance, performance of the clothes, empowering the performance of the women and confidence through comfort. So that is a mindset. It's not clothes for women in a lot of these industries that tend to be male dominated and then that bothering their minds or distracting them. We want women to perform their best no matter where they are. The evolution coming out of lockdown and COVID has been, you know, before it was suited and booted, that power suit image was really like our hero product and today it still is. But for me coming through the lockdown in my personal experience, we're cycling to work. We have this blended lifestyle of a hybrid work from home, work in the office. And women, especially in the lockdown, had to do so much around the household, the family, the kids and all of that. And I envisioned clothes that delivered on all of those functions in her lifestyle, not just to work. But then when she puts a blazer on in the same trouser or outfit, she looks suited and booted for work. And then she can take it off and go and have a drink and go to happy hour.
0: In terms of the thought around empowering women, do you think, again, you're a product of your upbringing and your environment? Because obviously, I meet amazing women on this program and in in life generally. People talk about empowering women, people talk about feminism, people talk about trends. For you and your experience, empowering women, obviously, you've brought it to life through clothes, but where do you think that desire to empower women came from?
2: You know, I think having been brought up professionally in the investment banking environment, it was predominantly men and I felt it was mostly democratic, but there were certain situations or circumstances where we just, as women, I felt I had to prove myself so much more or do more to really like have my seat at the table. And I think it's coming away from that career, wanting to really do something psychologically that empowered women in their everyday lives. And clothes for me was something that before Dye launched, all the clothes on the market were you know, not machine washable, dry, clean only, wrinkled really easily, didn't stretch at all. And for me, as someone who came up quite athletic, I just saw the fusion of imagining a world where clothes didn't restrict us, but rather empowered us. And that little bit in her every day that she's wearing 16 hours a day, maybe, or traveling with, really bringing that across as something that empowered her. And then I always believe that brands, have the power and a megaphone to stand for something, to be purpose-driven. For us, that's empowering women's lives. And I'm sure we'll touch on this, but it's also doing better for our planet.
0: Stay with me to find out much more from my very articulate guest. It's Joanna Dye. She's the founder of Dye, and she'll be back in a couple of minutes. Right now, we're going to hear a taser from the Mishkon Academy digital sessions. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dere's Victoria Piggott and Dr. Rebecca Newton, organizational psychologist and CEO of Coach Advisor, discuss the impact of women in positions of leadership and on boards.
1: The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today.
3: It was back in 2011 when the UK first embarked upon a drive towards greater gender equality at the top of British business. And as of earlier this year, it was reported that a third of board positions in the UK FTSE 100 companies are now held by women. So, getting women on boards, why does it matter? Yeah, it's a great question. There's a lot of research that's been done and we know from research that having women in positions of leadership in organisations and having women on boards makes a difference to the performance of the company, to the culture of the company and to the effectiveness of the board or senior teams themselves. And when you say it makes a difference, um, it improves productivity, it improves how employees feel about their jobs. Is it, is it that kind of tangible thing that improves? Yes. Like I said, it, it impacts culture. It also, I mean, in terms of the most tangible outcomes, it improves business performance. So for example, one study that was done of 11,000 companies in Australia over a six-year period, they had a look at women in leadership positions and found that a female CEO, for example, increased the market value of that organisation by 5%, which is worth nearly 80 million Australian dollars on the ASX 200 companies that they were looking at.
1: The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
0: You can enjoy all our former Business Shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast, and indeed you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. We've been making podcasts for over 10 years, well before they became a la mode. Anyway, if you've got a smart speaker, why not ask it to play Jazz Shapers and see what it does? You should be greeted by a taster of our recent shows. But back to today's guest, it's Joanna Dye, founder and CEO at women's wear brand Dye, whose workwear, as Joanna describes them, feels like yoga, wears like a power suit. You're a purpose-driven person. You move from the corporate world, the investment banking world, you have an engineering degree, this weird, for me, confluence of, you know, really serious, serious stuff, and yet you seem a very gentle and creative person. You talked about the creativity. As you built the business up right at the beginning, were you looking for more mini-me's or were you looking for people that were distinctly different?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. I love that you already used the term mini-me because I think that's been my journey as a sole founder. And as you've identified having the creative side and the business analytical side, I felt confident launching as a sole founder. As the business grew and really started building out in different departments, finding a head of operations or a COO was quite a journey. I met several different archetypes of candidates and Ultimately, I think I needed a mini-me. Someone who came up through that sort of similar background can do a lot of the operational bits that I could do so that can be offloaded from me so that I could focus more of my time on the parts that are unique to me. So the vision, the brand, the sustainability, the product, sort of unique versatility function, details that I bring into the product design that we have. So that has been a journey. But at the same time, the team now is filled with people from the industry as well as people who think like outsiders. And I think it is mm-hmm. a confluence of the, the two of them that allows us to be unique and differentiated in the space that we operate in.
0: And that diversity from within the industry and being an outsider and, and often anyone you hear that's creative is genuinely an outsider on any you know parameter, whatever it might be, whether it's color, whether it's gender, whether it's knowledge. Mm-hmm. In terms of diversity, I'm quite interested. Is it is an all-female team? And if it is, is that as diverse as it ought to be? I mean, I know it's a women's wear brand, which may sound like kind of a strange thing, but we see plenty of men who are creative directors and all that. Is that just a vestige of an old world where, of course, it's a man, whereas, in fact, a woman is much better suited in a women's wear business?
2: That's a really good question. I mean, I think at this point, we are looking to hire our first full-time man on the team, but we've always worked with men who are consultants to the business. We have men and women at the senior and at the board level. And I think it it needs to be a mix of different backgrounds, opinions, you know, whatever we bring to the table, because the problem would be groupthink, basically. And therefore, you come up with what everyone around the table believes is the right idea, but then you miss a huge, like something huge from the outside that you're not looking at objectively. So I think having that diversity is really important.
0: And in terms of your own way of thinking about how you run stuff, you know, we're looking at the, I'm looking at the sweater here, I feel like I'm, I'm commentating on a, on, a, on a catwalk, which I'm, obviously I'm not. The do-or-die sweater, the blue trousers. How much of it is, at the end of the day, that's my call, I'm Joanna, I'm the founder, we're doing that. The neck line is going to be the certain way, the cut's going to be a certain way, it's a very sharp look, even mm. though it's relaxed, if you know what I mean. There's a crispness, I would say. It's not like kind of floppy clothes like other brands, it, it's got a bit of tension in it. mm mm-hmm. Is that you or is that other clever creative people also saying, no, it needs to be a bit more like that?
2: So at the core of the brand visual identity, it's clean lines, minimal, it's tailored. It's also based on a lot of timeless silhouettes and references back to Christian Dior and back to the Yves Saint Laurent less smoking blazer. But it's a lot of clean lines, and then we make it modern and innovative and futuristic through our use of materials or through some design aspects. So it's meant to be timeless, and it's meant to not only last one season. We don't do things that are trending. We do things that last and are impactful in your wardrobe season after season.
0: We were talking about clean lines, and I sort of jokingly said, I wonder if that's your philosophy. I'm thinking about you as the engineer, you as the leader, you as the founder, and you as the creative person. How have you applied the clean line strategy, which I've just made up for you, but in terms of your focus, because the engineers focus in the way that you brought this team to life. We talked about who you've hired and encouraging diversity. But what does it look like in terms of making sure that this brand that you're nurturing is really going to go?
2: I think that the journey as an entrepreneur and the design of an organization at such an early stage, there's nothing linear in the clean lines term about that and especially if you throw a pandemic into the middle of it. So I think it's about always staying clear of what your brand vision and purpose is from the very beginning. Ours is to deliver comfort and power performance. And from there, that really flows down into what are the areas of the business that we want to invest in first this was the first year we brought in a creative director and she's from the design and product side expansive background in design and tailoring and women's wear before and we want to lead with product innovation sourcing the best materials in the world and adapting that for our woman who is a professional working woman and that's that's been the focus of the year and then we build out the rest of the brand experience through you know customer experience our website marketing was the last area in the most recent hire I just made, but I had been head of marketing for the last four years. So it's not linear, um, but the brand is clean lines.
0: And in terms of the professional working woman, which is you and the women that you serve, the women that, that buy your clothes, you touched on the pandemic and someone in your position has to be resilient. They have to be optimistic. They have to be realistic. When you think about that whole concoction of stuff that you have to remain strong with how have you personally coped and how do you think you're helping the women that you serve cope
2: that's a loaded question
0: (laughs) no 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 not at all no it's a real I mean have you have you you know you're here you're smiling you're obviously you're going we're we're now you Mm -hmm. know later in 2021 things have picked up Mm -hmm. uh, pop-ups have popped up for you (laughs) and websites going well but where did the strength come from you when things were looking pretty dark
2: Last year, we really focused on understanding what our brand meant to our customers. And around this time last year, we launched our every collection for the everyday, everywhere, every woman, every time, everything, because we realized that her use of our clothes was so much more multifaceted and versatile than ever before as we came into this year and especially april was a big month for us because non-essential reopened again we have been sort of in hibernation and we have really gone full force at bringing and being in front of our customer in this back to life but keep the comfort moment and coming out of lockdown comfort is more important than ever because during lockdown women were wearing the sweatpants the joggers the leggings and you know now having gone back to the first client meetings or whatever it is, we want to look good. We want to keep the elegance, but we want to also keep the comfort. And I think that has been our brand from the very beginning. This feels like yoga comfort, make it look like a business suit, like a power suit. And I think it's really been a huge moment for us to come out of this. Mm -hmm. So the strength, first and foremost, comes back to our customers, the original brand mission. And through all of the ups and downs and roller coasters, it's always going back to that purpose and those values and and why I'm doing this. That really continues to be the endless well of strength and resilience that I bring to the business.
0: Stay with me for my final chat with Jan and I. We'll be talking about a bit more about the why and what that means in terms of sustainability as well. I'd like to understand a bit more about that before we let you disappear.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business. But it's personal.
0: I'm with Joanna Dye. She's my business shaper, just for a few more minutes. You've mentioned sustainability. The focus on the why you mentioned your purpose. Specifically help me understand what sustainability means to you personally and then to the business. And I know there's probably not much of a distinction because you are you know the eponymous heroine in this business, but just help me understand what's going on.
2: So having started the business in 2017, within the industry, within sourcing raw materials and all of that, it was already a big topic. And I think especially through the last two years, pandemic, people realizing we don't need so many things in our closet. I'm really glad that that's becoming more and more of a mainstream conversation. Since launching, I always wanted us to become a B Corp. I set that goal for ourselves very early on, and we achieved that last November I just came back recently from North America on the West Coast, and it hasn't rained all year. There's been unprecedented wildfires. I was in Vancouver, and we went to, like, the forest, and when you're in nature, you really feel the awe and splendor of nature and the life that we have in this beautiful planet that we live on, and to imagine that maybe in future generations, this could no longer be here. It might be all dried out, the water, the lakes, all of that. It's heartbreaking. And I think that hits me really hard and makes me want to use our brand as a platform and voice to be a positive impact in the world and whatever we can do and control within our own supply chain, but also to use our brand influence to empower other people with the knowledge and make that more and more mainstream and help our customers and our community understand what it actually means and how we can all do better for the planet.
0: And I imagine being a B Corp means you have to stick to that even if you didn't want to, which clearly you do, do you worry that you're not doing enough? And is that what drives part of your efforts? Without saying you're not doing enough, I'm just in, in terms of just the mentality of you as the founder. Mm. Is, is it never good enough for Joanna in terms of this business?
2: Yeah, you can never do quite enough. And there's only so much time in a day and resources that are finite to me and the whole team currently. But I think being a B Corp, And having that embedded legally in your articles of association makes everyone responsible, especially from the top down, from the board level, because it's not just about making a return for shareholders. It's about all stakeholders. And that includes the planet, our team, our customers, our suppliers, everyone that's impacted. And so we obviously would love to do as much as a much, much bigger brand with infinite resources out there. But we we will do absolutely as much as we can. And at the end of the day, I think doing our best is the best that we can do.
0: And you're nice to yourself, right? You don't give yourself a hard time for not always reaching the place you want to reach?
2: I try to be kind and compassionate to myself. I do wish we could do more. But I think for now, if we can, through our current community and through staying ahead of the discussions and involved in working groups and involved with or part of the UN Fashion Charter. If we can do everything we can and stay in the forefront of that, that's yeah, that's that's what it is for now.
0: Be good to yourself. That's important. Congratulations for getting so far already. I'm sure the next few years we're going to hear a lot more about Dye. I really do. Just before I let you disappear, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it?
2: So my song choice today is by Valerie June. And it's called Astral Plane. And I think especially coming out of the last 18 months, which has been quite chaotic, she's such a soulful, philosophical, spiritual singer in a positive way. And the opening lyrics are, is there a light that's inside you? Um, you really have to just trust yourself and look within. And and that is, for me, that sort of infinite resource of how I can then project externally and do my best.
0: Valerie June with Astral Plane, the song choice of my business shaper, Joanna Dye. Her background was in science, and yet she's a creative person. Bringing together the two has been fantastic for her. The importance to her of purpose, of finding something important within the why of what she's doing and bringing that to life every day. And finally, great words of advice to anyone thinking about moving into the world of running your own business. Do the thing that you are passionate about. Simple but absolutely true. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
0: We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. Or head over to mishkon.com forward slash Jazz Shapers.